Hello, everybody, and welcome uh, to the Vineyard. And we are starting a brand new series today called Radical Living. Um, we, we kind of are touching off from uh, a point that I made during the Beatitudes uh, about radical living and what that looked like, and I want to expand on that. We're going to be using the book of 1 Peter to do that. And uh, in fact, that's uh, today's scripture reading there at the top of your notes. Let me read that to you before we get started. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. This is in the message paraphrase. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. And blessed be the word of the Lord. So we are going to uh, be building on these verses, uh, particularly 1 Peter 2.12 in the weeks ahead as a foundation. And then how Peter sort of takes us through with the idea of radical living throughout most of First uh, Peter. And so that, that whole chapter will be, uh, that whole uh, book will be what we look at, but we'll look at different verses along the way. Um, before I get into that, uh, I almost thought about calling this verse, this uh, series, what I did on my 51st birthday. And uh, I, there's a picture coming up, if they can get back to it. There it is. Uh, I decided I'd get a colonoscopy. And so that's me uh, on my 51st birthday, which was just Thursday and Friday. And uh, I, I went to the hospital and did that. But, you know, whenever I have a doctor's attention, I always like to ask a few questions. So these are some of the questions I asked. I said, hey, hey, doctor, the, the first 30 minutes I'm up every morning, I feel dizzy. What should I do? And he said, um, get up a half an hour later. And I said, but doc, my, my wife thinks I'm crazy because I like sausages. And he said, well, that's ridiculous. I like sausages too. So I said, good, you should come around sometime and see my collection. I got thousands of them. That's just weird, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, that one will get you later. I kind of like that one. So I said, hey, doctor, uh, when I press with my finger here, it hurts. And it, it hurts here, and it hurts here, and it hurts here. What do you think's wrong with me? And he said, I think your finger's broken. No? So, so I said, doctor, I keep seeing spots. And he said, have you seen an optometrist? And I said, no, just spots. Okay, I'm done. It was a stretch, you know, but hey, I had a colonoscopy yesterday, okay? So give me a break. All is well. And uh, there you go. I kind of, I, I told my wife some years ago when I turned 50, I would get a colonoscopy, and I dragged that on throughout my entire year of 50. I made the appointment in that last week and actually had to do the prep and sort of missed it by day, but it was close enough. And uh, uh, yeah, all is good. So I want to talk about radical living and what that looks like in our lives. And when, when I use the term radical, uh, as we have in some other of our concepts, you know, radical hospitality, radical generosity, uh, you know, the, the idea is not what the culture expects. And that this is the kind of life that we're called to in Christ. And, and I want to I wanna dig through, as I said, First Peter to help us look at that. The, the foundational verse is this, First Peter 2.12, Live such good lives 
among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's, a, that's what we're going to build this radical living around, that, that concept. Um, that, that what Peter is talking about here is, is living a life that not only impacts us for good, but also impacts the world around us as we live this thing out. And, and Peter starts out, throughout 1 Peter 1, um, challenging us to be different. And that's my idea of radical. Different than what we used to be before Christ, different than, than the world around us, but uh, not in a, in, a, in a strange, weird way, but, but in a way that, that puts God first in our lives. And, and so he's calling us uh, in Christ to a, a different way of living, a, a radical life is what we're being called to. And so I want to make a few points about that as we get uh, started in this series, and then we're, we're going to deepen this as we go on in the next weeks together. So the first idea, the first concept is that you need to be holy in all that you do. You need to be holy in all that you do. He says in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, sometimes I think um, we might get a little unsettled at this term holy, the word holy or what holiness means. Um, but in reality, uh, being holy actually means to be set apart. To be set apart from um, darkness, to be set apart from selfishness, to be set apart from the way the culture does everything. Um, that's the concept, the root concept of holiness. And, and what Peter is actually saying is, listen, you've been made new, you've been given this amazing new life in Christ, and, and now you need to live differently. We're not to keep living the way that we always did. Now we, we need to live differently. And what we need to do, it brings up the second point, is we need to choose to live a radical life. See, this is a choice that we make. It's always about choices that we make. We talk about that. Um, even as we, we touched on radical living in the Beatitudes, we, we talked about living by trying to do the next right thing. You know that comes up almost every week because I think it's that important in our lives. But see, even that is a choice. We, we get to constantly choose how we're going to live this thing out and what it's going to look like to the people around us and what decisions we're going to make along the journey. And are we going to continue to keep doing the things that we used to do um, that didn't work anyway, or are we going to begin to choose to try the best we can to do it God's way, knowing that we'll mess up sometimes, and that we have to run back to God for forgiveness, which He gives us, and He loves us, and sets us on again. But see, these are the choices we have to make. And, and we, we've talked about this, but, but what's our motivation for doing the next right thing? First Peter 1, 18 and 19, he says, For you know it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, so our ultimate motive for living by trying to do the next right thing is realizing what lengths God has gone to to have relationship with us particularly in the cross. And that, that what he's done for us is um, made a way for us to be restored uh, to relationship with him now and forever. And that, that in comparison, 
Um, everything else seems really kind of unimportant. But, but because we've lived a certain way for so long, it it's, takes a while for us to begin to make that shift in our lives and, and to realize what really matters. Because we've often chased a very empty way of living for a long time. And we've, uh, many of us were, were um, very motivated in chasing after wrong things and went to great lengths to try and achieve them. And, and it didn't work out. Uh, and we hopefully have realized that it hasn't worked out and that we, we have to go in a different direction because that's not where life was. Our whole last series, we talked about how the culture thinks that life is about uh, right circumstances and that the problem is right circumstances never stay that way for long because we live in a fallen world on a broken planet. And we, we understood from our last series that life is found in right attitudes um, and, and that all these things happen as we choose to live by doing the next right thing in response to what Christ has done for us on the cross. See, that's why we would even begin to start. He's given us something that we could never attain in our own strength. And, and so in response to that, not trying to earn anything because it's a gift, but in response to this amazing gift and this love that he's shown us, we start trying to do the next right thing in our own lives. We start um, uh, making changes. Uh, yielding to the Spirit and doing things differently. We start looking at some of the things we've been doing and see if we should keep doing them or not. We, we start, you know, praying about some of our habits. We start praying about some of the things that we've, we've done. You know, when we, we look at, at things like, uh, you know, gossip, and we look at uh, things that we've turned to for pain relief, and we look at how selfish we've been, and we, we begin to say, you know, I don't want to continue to live that way. And, and it wasn't working anyway. The reality is none of those things worked anyway. But we get stuck in there and we keep buying into this lie that somehow we're going to, if we keep pushing on and trying all this stuff, we'll finally end up with the right set of circumstances. That then, then we'll really experience life and it never happens. We never get there. So we have to choose to live a radical life. We, we've got to make a choice. This is what we're called to, a different way of life, a radical life in Christ. And, and, and so if we've come to know Christ, um, then, then we have to make these choices and say, you know what, I want to do it your way. Knowing that we'll mess up sometimes, but God, really, I just want to do it your way. I'm going to try and walk this thing out your way. Now, having made that choice, what, what we come to understand pretty quickly then is the third point, that a radical life is a life of love. A radical life is a life of love. And just as Jesus demonstrated radical love at the cross, we are to embrace the idea of radical love. Um, you know, kicking this thing off on Memorial Day, as we remember those people who have given their lives for us, it's a picture of radical love uh, being, being laid out for us, extravagant love um, for us. And, it, and, and Jesus has done that for us. And now he calls us to love like that. 1 Peter 1.22, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Um, uh, see, coming to Christ has, has been what it took to purify us, to see differently, and now it says you need to love each other. You need to, to learn what love looks like. It's not all about you. You need, to, you need to love well. You need to figure out what that looks like. Um, we talk about demonstrating that kind of love with radical generosity and radical hospitality and, and seeing the beauty of people's potential, and, and all these things are, are wrapped into this concept of what a life of love looks like. And, and Here's what I really believe. That See, I think sometimes when I use that word holy there in the first verse, 
that people think that holy people are people that have gone off to high mountaintops and have isolated and gotten away from everybody. They even call them, ooh, they're so holy. They live, and, and God bless that. I, I believe the holiest people of the world in the world are the people who live in and among other people and love them the way Jesus did. To me, that's the picture of holiness. See, we're to be separate, but not, we're no good if we're not in the midst of the world around us. We're to be separate in choosing to live for Christ. But if we separate ourselves from the world that desperately needs Christ, we, what good are we? You know, if we put ourselves in a position where people have to climb a mountain to come, I mean, you, do you get it? You, you're not, you're, you're having no impact. So holiness, truly holy people, aren't a, aren't a bunch of people self-righteously following rules. They're people living in the world, um, following Christ and making a difference by the way that they love people. That's holiness. That's the holy life we're called to. We're called to live among people who don't know Jesus and love them extravagantly so that perhaps they might listen to the radical message or be touched with radical hospitality or radical generosity so they can come and be part of a radical life as well. See, that's the calling that we have on our lives. And this is that a life of love looks like. And to me, it's, it's that kind of love that, that describes holiness best. It's not what you wear, don't wear. It's not what you do or don't do. It's loving people and, and being led by the Spirit in the process, making a difference in people's lives, looking at them and seeing the beauty of their potential. See, that's holiness. That's what we've been called to. That's what holiness looks like. Jesus said this in John 13, 34, and 35. Uh, he says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. See, the, the whole thing is rooted in that, as we've been talking about. Love for God, love for others is our motivation for our mission, and it's, it's what we're called to in a radical life. It's, it's, it's a change. All this stuff, all the Beatitudes, all these things we've talked about, it's a change in us. Changing perspective. Who, who are we really living for? What is life really all about? And, and, and pursuing God with all that we have in the process to find it in our own lives. Um, and he goes on as we, as we move into the beginning of chapter 2. Uh, he, he says this in fourth point, very important point. I wanted to get it right up front because this, this lifestyle, this, this radical living includes this, that you need to use your words to build up. When you speak, um, your words are very powerful. They're, they're powerful for building up, but they're also extremely powerful for tearing down. And, and uh, you know, the old schoolyard rhymes, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is not true. Words hurt you far worse, and it usually lasts for way longer than any broken bone, because it generally cuts down into places that you can't deal with. And so our words are extremely powerful. And, and in, a, in a radical life, we need to use our words to bless others. See, we need to use our words to encourage others. We need to use our words for kindness sake. We need to use our words to build. And we have to really challenge ourselves not to use our words for the other purposes, to not use them to speak evil, to not use them to gossip, to not use them to tear down, to not use them to criticize, to not use them to be sarcastic and to judge. We need to use our words to, to, to build. First Peter 2, 1, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. See, this is a, a picture of Holiness 
displayed in love that moves past these things. Now, I think if we're honest, we'll see that this is something we continually have to work on. We have, we have many opportunities every day to fall into that trap, to, to jump into gossip, to jump into to, to negative speaking about people, to jump into, um, you know, tearing people down, whatever. We, we need to stop. We need to be encouragers. That's why we talk about that in, in, in encouraging people every day. Oh, I meant to point out when you saw my, my colonoscopy picture, did you see I was giving everybody a thankful five? Check it out. It's on Facebook. <laughs> and that was a real stretch at that moment. Um, see, this is, this is radical living. It's, it's not what most people do. Most people, unfortunately, most people culturally care about number one, first and foremost, and they'll do and say whatever they've got to to keep number one going where they think you ought to go. And, they, and, and it rubs off on us. And the things we're bombarded with are, are filled with this mess. And so it's, it comes fairly natural, and yet it's not what we need to be like. We, we don't score points for being the most sarcastic or, or always having the comeback. We don't, we don't score points for um, speaking out judgmentally. We, we have to bless. We have to learn to bless. And, and it doesn't mean we don't have opinions. You know, I've said this a lot. It, it just means we need to realize that our opinions don't matter that much. You, know, you get it? They just don't. They're your opinions. And for the most part, they should stay that way as yours. But, but see, all these things we get caught up into. And, we, and it's because we're not loving well. You know, I, I, when I voice my opinions on things, a lot of times I then lose the opportunity to love and minister to the people who didn't care for my opinion because they don't know how to deal with it and they just cut me out, shut me down, and I'm done. And what's the point? You know, I mean, there's a line, there's places where I make a stand, but, but most of the time we're, we, we, get, we start making a stand on things that just don't matter. In the big picture, they're not kingdom of God things, they're very temporal things and they don't matter. And I... I I want to use my words for things that matter, uh, things that count in the kingdom of God. I want to use my words to encourage others. I want to use my words that hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll realize how much God loves them. And that, you know, when, when someone says a negative thing, that's part of the deal. We, remember when we finish the Beatitudes, we'll say, sometimes we're going to catch a little persecution, even though we just want to go out and bless people. We, we did that car wash, you know, and we showed you the video, and you saw how cool that video was, most of you. And we, we put it out there for people to see, and people start making negative comments on there. And you're like, all right. But see, that's the whole deal. You get, well, why would you? But they do. They start to persecute you for that stuff. Why? Don't know. But what's our response? God, that person really needs you because they're, they're a mess. So I'm not going to retaliate, God. We're going to love and pray. And, you know, one of the comments said, well, can I, can I, before they called us a cult, was can I bring my lawnmower and my bicycle through? And I'm like, bring them through. We'll give you a dollar. And that's my thinking. I didn't respond to it. <laughs> but my thinking is, sure, come on in. What do I care? Yeah. Use your words to build up, not tear down. But see how cultural... You know, think of it, on all the websites, the comments that people make, some of them, you just think it's just such an opportunity for people to say mean stuff, you know? And what good is it? What good is it? 
don't see the purpose. Anyway, so we're going to use our words to build up. That's what radical living is about. And um, just as we need to use um, uh, words to build others up, we need to use his word to keep ourselves built up. So you can't do this stuff apart from being connected to him. You can't. You get out apart from the vine and you can't do anything. Uh, so you need to spend time every day in his word. I, I, I know we talk about that a lot. I can't, I can't overemphasize the importance of a little Bible time every day. I'm not talking about huge quantities. I get how busy life is, but every day, something. A couple of minutes, chapter, a proverb, a psalm, a couple of verses. Read through your bulletins. I, you know, anything that you can do to get some scripture in you every day. Because the connection is important and it's powerful. The Bible's alive and it, uh, under the unction of the Spirit, it, it speaks life to us and we need it. Our spirit needs it. And so you, you need to, to discipline yourselves in this radical life to spend a little bit of time in His Word. Uh, you know, great, if you can spend more, great. But, but if I know some people don't get any and you've got to start somewhere. And I've got to keep bringing it up to, to try and get it in the forefront of your minds. If you don't have a Bible, come see me, I'll get you one. Uh, there should be no excuse. Uh, you know, that, that, that if you should just take time every day and read a little bit. Um, I, I have found in my life, you know, I've done some Bible reading plans and everything. They don't usually work for me because I start to miss it here because it's, I can't get to it. And then I'm behind and then it feels bad. And, and so I've tried them. I've, I've made it through. I have read the Bible lots and lots of times, but usually just sitting down and starting to read it. But, you know, what does work for me? Read the proverb that matches the day. That's a pretty good one. That's pretty simple to do. That takes like two minutes. So, you know, today's the 28th. You read Proverbs 28. Tomorrow's the 29th. At some point, read Proverbs 29. On the 30th, read Proverbs 30. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest of 31. On the 31st, read 31. Um, and, and then start over. and read Because every time you read one of those chapters in Proverbs, you'll find something new. It's just amazing stuff. Pick a psalm and read that. Pick what we're reading now. I don't care. Every day, spend a little bit of time in God's Word. 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know that, that picture of a craving. See, that's what needs to be developed in us. If we don't spend time in the Word, we ought to start to miss it really badly. You, you, spiritually, you crave it. On Thursday, I was doing my prep for the colonoscopy, so it meant all day I couldn't eat. I was having all sorts of cravings until I started drinking that horrible stuff, and they went away for a while. But <laughs> from when I woke up, you know, until three or so, I, I couldn't eat anything. And man, you talk about craving. And, and ultimately, it got down to I wanted a steak sandwich. Do you ever, you ever get, <laughs> I just want a steak sandwich, and I couldn't have one. Well, that's okay. At 9.30 the next morning when I was all done and half loopy, my wife drove me to McDonald's and I got a steak bagel and all was well with the world. <laughs> it was okay. So, um, but see that, the, the crave, see, we're, we're, we need to get to the spot where we miss it if we don't have a little time with it. How do you do that? Develop the habit. How do you develop a habit? Three weeks. You do something for three weeks, it'll become a habit. So the first 21 days, you've got to make yourself. 
after that, it's pretty simple, and you'll start to miss it if you don't do it. So this is where we start with this idea of radical living. We're going we're gonna to do more and expand on this. Um, so, you know, think about being holy in everything you do and what that looks like. It's really about loving people well. That that's the best display I know. It's not being self-righteous and it's following a bunch of rules. Uh, it's, it's about loving people in the world that desperately need to be loved and all the things that we've been talking about. Um, we make this choice, not only daily, but throughout the day, to choose to, to do just that, to, to be holy in what we do by loving others well. Let's really work on, again, what we say. The big deal. Because we, we can get out here and do all this stuff and, and we can quickly reverse any progress we made by saying things that we just don't need to be said. And so think about what you say before you say it. Um, you guys have learned this trick too. If somebody says something in an email that makes you mad, do not respond by email for like two weeks. <laughs> Any emails that you do when you're not, you're going to be sorry if you push that send button. All right, so same thing with your, most of the time you just need to think about it. Build up. Is what you're about to say going to build somebody up? If not, it's not worth saying. And then make sure you spend time in his word every day. That's where we're going to start with radical living. And uh, we'll pick it up there next week. Thanks for watching. If you're watching by video, if you need anything, you can call us or write us. We'll do whatever we can to help. We're going to shut down with prayer here, and then we'll call it a night. Let's pray.